Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noelle Cordeaux. We are the founders of Lumia. And we're super passionate about all things coaching, and we want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training thousands of life coaches. Let's dive into the science and magic of coaching. On today's episode, Noel and I are going to talk about how to live in color, embodiment, how to open your eyes to more possibility with positive psychology. Noel, good morning. Good morning. That was a whole lot of words, and thank you for doing that intro. I appreciate you. There's a uh, calmness that comes over me when I get to Noel. Good morning, because it means, <laughs> it means the intro is over, and now we can get into it. Absolutely, and this is this is a cool topic. This is a complex topic, and it's essentially how positive psychology, positive emotions, positive relationships, all of the associated tenets of positive psychology relate to the way that we can use our bodies and mm. the way that we can experience our bodies to help us um, live more full and fulfilling lives. Yeah, I, I think it's fascinating um, how our thoughts can actually manifest in feeling and change in our body, you know, how they're all, how it's both inter interconnected, how there's a bridge there instead of uh, two separate, you know, things. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. There's, there's a quote I pulled up to kind of kick us off on this topic and it's from Plato. Mm -hmm. We are bound to our bodies like an oyster to its shell. Mm. The reason that I think this quote is so significant is is because of the way that our, our bodies actually work and relate to our brains. So our brains are the only part of our body um, that aren't attached to anything. There's something called the brain blood barrier. And so essentially the way that our brain gives messages to the rest of our body is is through, I don't have the proper science to, to describe it, but it's through like, energetic response it sends mm -hmm. like telekinetic messages to the rest of our body because there are no nerves that go from the brain to the body that's really it feels it's, it sounds very alienish <laughs> we well i mean we're humans are weird man yeah. like humans are weird and when we're talking about our bodies in relationship to coaching and in relationship to positive psychology we spend so much time in our heads mm -hmm. and yeah. our body itself is really important in giving us messages in terms of how we feel, what we experience, what we perceive, and the way that we treat and experience our bodies has a lot to do with our potential as we drive it through our neocortex, through our brains. Do you in your sessions, because I do this a lot, I ask my client, um, how does what you just said feel in your body? I do a slightly different version. Yeah. Sometimes I'll ask folks um, where something is showing up. Oh, right. In their in body. The, in their body, yeah. Yeah. And, and when we're talking about, you know, embodiment too, you know, you and I do... Um, similar but different work in session. I work a lot with people around their sexuality, um, around their relationships, and around their relationship with food and body. Mm -hmm. So the the lens that I take expands a little bit more maybe into how we treat our body, how we soothe our body, how we mm -hmm. feed ourselves, and and how we dress and decorate ourselves 
um, which is another piece that is important, but not typically considered in the context of wellness and well-being. Oh, you mean you're, you're talking about literally clothes? Yes, I am. Yeah, okay. Which reminds me uh, of your famous egg costume and Halloween is coming up. And so, as you say, how we dress ourselves, I, I instantly had that image and, and I thought about kind of the uh, silly side of you and, you know, the fun, playful side. But that's, I mean, that's a really great example. Yeah. So, um, I've been dressing as an egg for Halloween for about 16 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's true. I have, I, I'm on egg costume number two because I, I once... Um, accidentally left egg costume number one behind at a concert in Atlantic city as I was fleeing New Jersey, but that's a different story. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when I choose to wear my egg, it does evoke silliness and it it holds meaning for me and it holds meaning for people who know me well. Right. There's a, there's a, it's kind of an extension of who you are. It is. And, and that extension is important because I utilize that aspect of decorating myself mm-hmm. to alter my own mood and the mood of others. And I think that that's a really great example of how we're considering the body in all of this. There was a period a couple of weeks ago where uh, we were going through some stuff as a small team. And I knew that I was going to have a meeting that was kind of tough with um, some folks and I decided to wear my egg costume to work. (laughs) Which, which probably infuriated some of them. (laughs) Absolutely. It had the absolute opposite effect because, you know, you know, people who, who are on our team who work for me know that I have everyone's best interest at heart and that I above all else want them to be happy and whole and well. And when I have to have a difficult conversation with someone and we really have to do some hard work in a meeting and, and my team member looks up and says, I can't believe you're in an egg right now. (laughs) It shifts the energy. Yeah. It neutralizes it. It makes it fun. It's a, people take themselves less seriously, all that. Absolutely. And so, you know, what are we talking about with with this concept? The concept is embodiment. Mm -hmm. And it is an awareness of and responsiveness to bodily sensations. And this includes thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, right? So the behaviors are how we choose to decorate ourselves. And there's also thoughts and feelings. Um, To what extent are you able to get in touch when your body is giving you messages. Yeah, I think so for me, um, because fitness is, has been a big part of my life, uh, knowing when to push and uh, stretch and to, you know, um, put, because your body, I think, can go further than what your what your mind thinks. And, and so, and knowing when to do that and then knowing when to rest, mm. knowing when to um, give yourself a break. And so that's been a challenge for me and something I'm, that I still, you know, kind of dance with. And so, like, even today, uh, I worked out really hard yesterday. So, today, I'm going to either go for a light run or give my body a rest. And so, not going to the gym, uh, listening to myself and my body, I think, is where my uh, connection to self and my self-care, self-love uh, fits in. Now, if I don't listen to that and I force myself to go grind, I'm not going to have a, a good experience. Uh, I'm going to be in a bad mood. And then the the ripple of treating my body that way is going to um, have consequences on the <laughs> the people around me. 
Absolutely. And and this is a great example. So something that that's important to center as we're talking about embodiment is that the brain is not our sole cognitive resource, that our bodies are perceptually guided Mm. and our bodies guide us through much of the work that's required to achieve our goals if we can learn to listen to them. Yeah, I love the idea of the body being the radar. It is. So for you, when your body is giving you a message to rest, how how do you know that it's a message? How does that message come through? What's that experience? I mean, besides, uh, you know, soreness and and muscle ache and all that, uh, my body just tells me it needs ice or a rest or a massage uh it it it's uh it speaks to me through kind of like um craving like like if you are uh uh craving a certain meal or if you're craving carbs or if you're craving protein whatever um it's like my body uh, tells me in that way yeah absolutely and and i've learned uh, over the years um to really tune into my body especially as someone who has recovered from eating disorders and now engages in intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. I've one of the things that I've had to learn is to tell the difference between an authentic message from my body or something that's um, a disordered or distorted message that's that's coming from a cognitive distortion, right? Um, so for me, there's a level of tiredness. It's like a whole body exhaustion. It usually starts in my shoulders and then goes up into my throat. And I feel it in my my face and behind my eyes. Mm. And it's very specific. It's very specific. Right now, I feel great. And I do not have any tension or tightness in my throat, my shoulders or behind my eyes. And my body doesn't need rest. I love how uh, specific you are. And I love how, you know, behind your eyes or the tension here, these are like signs that you can look for, uh, for your body to tell you something. Yeah. So, you know, in, in the world that we live in, where our bodies are objectified, we beat up our bodies on a regular Mm -hmm. basis. We, you know, we, 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 we give ourselves negative self-talk messages that actually hurt our cute little bodies. Um, you know, this is this is the opposite of what we're talking about. And this is what we have to be aware of both for ourselves and our clients, because disembodiment involves either indifference to your body mm-hmm. or being really negative towards your body. And so the positive psychology-based intervention is to actually work with folks or work with yourself to make friends with your somatic Mm. sensations to make friends with and nurture your body to learn how to use it as a gauge to enhance your functioning capacity yeah and this is a journey especially if you're someone um you know who's been very disconnected with body or if you've had eating disorders or sexual trauma or you know uh, or maybe you were once an athlete and there's some some um, false beliefs now because you hurt yourself or whatever but yeah this isn't something that you know i mean i think you can start but i think there is a dance here i think there's a relationship with this and it takes time it does so yeah. let's get into some tools that we can offer folks um and i want to shout out kate heffron who is a positive psychology researcher at the university of east london she mm-hmm. put out a book oh gosh that i 
got my hands on many years ago. It's called Positive Psychology in the Body, and it's a textbook. Mm -hmm. um, it's a positive psychology textbook that you can use as a template uh, to start working through this if, if this is what your coaching practice is all about. But touch is is the first piece that we have to square with, that we first learn to communicate from birth with touch. What did you learn about touch as you were becoming a parent? It's interesting because it's very different than uh, my partner, Vanessa, who was uh, touched out because um, carrying a baby for nine months and then how her body changed and then uh, Logan just clinging to her her leg. She, she needed space. On my side, after we had uh, our, our baby, I was like craving touch. So um, craving touch from Vanessa. Uh, because, you know, th things change when you have a baby. And of course, intimacy is now, you know, not the priority. And then craving touch from my child. And because uh, Logan was all about mom and, you know, daddy get away, um, it made me feel thirsty for touch. Mm. Yeah, mm. lonely. Yeah. So something that that we can think about and acknowledge there. And, you know, I'm sorry you had that experience. I remember when I saw you uh, over over the holidays that that was you were in that space of of, of and Logan's a little, was a little tiny, tiny nugget at that time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what does touch do for us? It increases serotonin, which is a regulator, dopamine and oxytocin. And I think something that's really important to acknowledge is that you don't need other people in order to increase the well-being outcomes from touch. You can give yourself a hug that is just as effective. You can rub your arms. You can rub your own shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, you can hug a dog uh, or a cat. Um, I don't recommend hugging strangers, but you know, <laughs> but but you know, you can. There are lots of of different ways that you can increase your relationship with touch. A really phenomenal um, anti anxiety technique is to ground with touch towards whatever surface is nearest to you and to really take in the quality of that surface. So you're engaging with this part of yourself through your own awareness. What does the table feel like? Is it cool? Is it warm? Is it wood? Is it stone? Is it metal? And just to start to tune into, oh my gosh, there's this, the largest organ that I have, my skin is, is really capable of giving me messages. Yeah. You know, that's something I think many don't realize uh, is when they're craving touch, especially if that's your your love language like mine, um, that you can self-soothe to a certain extent. Absolutely. It doesn't require someone else, yeah. Absolutely. And the next point that that does require someone else is to evaluate the quality of your social interactions. Mm. And this has everything to do with your body because synchronicity is real. Have you ever had an experience um, where you've met a friend and it was like love at first sight? You were right in lockstep with each other. You couldn't stop talking to each other. Sure. Yeah. I, I think of Buddy when I think of synchronicity. Yeah. Um. Buddy is John's friend, for those of you who don't know. Um, <laughs> and, and what happens, 
And this is social engagement. This isn't romantic engagement. That coordination takes place between individuals when you're in sync and Mm -hmm. it has a style and Mm -hmm. a rhythm. And that co-creation between two bodies can create a sense of oneness. Yeah, this also happens a lot um, in high school, like you and your best friend, um, you know, talking on the phone, uh, you know, through the, the entire night, or you're just hanging out, and the body language just being super relaxed, super connected, uh, nothing's forced, and and yeah, very flowing. That's a really great example. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that example. And I'd love to invite all of our listeners to think back to those, you know, magical childhood days where it was a full embodied experience of euphoria mm-hmm. to be in sync with other people. We lose that as adults. Yeah. Uh, why do you I- think we lose it? I, I think as we get hurt, I think because of self-protection, I think uh, we uh, stop trusting as much, you know, mm. a lot of things happen, life happens. And then, so we kind of create a shield. Um, we're more cautious. Um, we're, we don't let our guards down as much. Yeah. When we're in coach training, one of the important pieces of coaching presence alongside active listening is that when as a coach, and this takes practice, this is tricky to do. So I'll say that up front. Um, When you can mirror the vocal cadence of the person you're talking to. So if someone talks very fast, if you pick up the pace of your conversation, or if someone talks very slow, you slow it down, Mm -hmm. you will instantly build trust with that person because they will find that synchronicity in the rhythm of the coaching. Oh, I love that. It makes me think about uh, relationships, how, how important it is to um, be aware of that, that cadence, that synchronicity, and, and make an effort to, to match that. You and Vanessa talk at very different paces. Yes, we're very, we're very different. I mean, even also eating, I inhale food. She's more mindful. Um, and if we're not aware of this, we're, yeah, we're, we're off. Um, we're kind of like off, you know, stepping, I, on, stepping on each other's shoes kind of thing. Yeah. And, and that, that, you know, that's an interesting thing to unpack because I too have had the experience as a slow eater of eating with you. And I look up and I'm like, John, you're done. Like we just sat down. Um, (laughs) But so, you know, so in, in those moments when, when you're out of sync, what happens for you? Uh, I get impatient. I get frustrated. I feel like we're not connected. Um, I get judgmental. I point fingers, all of that. Yeah. Nothing good. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I would I can imagine impatience mm-hmm. would, would come up to the table. Um, so if I'm really thinking about this from, from a coaching perspective of like tuning in, because um, you, especially with, with eating and sitting down and having a meal with somebody else, um, I might say, okay, well, what are some other ways that you can engage in sensory perception? During that period of time, um, focusing on what else is there? in this space? What else is there to notice about your meal partner so that you have uh, something to stave off that impatience or boredom? When you say what else is there, what do you mean? Like, um, besides, besides your phone? Um, I, 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 (laughs) I mean, I would say like, so, so 
I, I'm having a specific memory. You and I went out, um, I think for Korean food mm-hmm. and I eat really slow and you mm-hmm. eat really fast. Um, and I remember the room being red. So I might say, well, what are the colors on the wall? How is the the light hitting Vanessa? Can you engage in your sense of sound? Can you see how you can really hone in on what she's saying and block out other thoughts to find a way to be present, mm, even though right. your cadence has changed? Right. So um, before I, I slip into the tunnel of just, you know, uh, um, eating and pouring, you know, <laughs> uh, food into my mouth being aware, like when you say what else is there what else is around me which can anchor and ground me and slow me down so I'm not just focused on um, you know shoving yeah f- uh, shoveling food into my mouth absolutely and yeah. and also you know framing the experience like if you know that this is an area where where you, where you need, you're out of sync with someone and yet you know sharing a meal is a really common thing for family members. You know, how do I need to frame this experience in terms of the time that I'm going to spend mm-hmm. and the value that comes from that time? Yeah, I love not it. Not just, you know, not just food nourishment. Right, right. What else is there? Yeah. yeah. And I think that this this pulls us right into um our last point, which is positivity resonance. Um, positivity resonance is a concept that comes from Barbara Fredrickson, who's a positive psychology researcher. And this is what happens. It's an exponential halo effect that happens when we share positive emotions or behaviors. And the the neurobiological definition of love is a micro moment of agreed upon mutual care and then positive positivity resonance really doubles down on that experience and we it's like we build these invisible layers of mutual care to invest in each other's well-being mm. and your body is really important for this to work because it requires eye contact Vanessa and I um in our couple session, uh, we were instructed to stare at each other for about, uh, it's called eye, eye gazing for about, I think, seven minutes. Ooh. And uh, it was one of the most vulnerable things I've, I've ever done. Wow. Yeah. How- so it just reminded me when you say eye contact, uh, because I think as, you know, we just don't, the, the day goes by and we don't sit there and, you know, gaze into each other's eyes. But after the initial kind of, you know, silliness and people giggling, and once that fades, oh, man, it gets really powerful because you're, you know, uh, staring into someone's eyes. You're starting to see the person's story. You're starting to see who they are, how they feel. And uh, it's just a direct jolt into body and feeling. It's, it's, it's laughter, tears. It's, it's really a roller coaster. Wow. I'm so glad you had that experience. I want to try it now. I, I mean, I do that with my dog, George, um, yeah. <laughs> which is great. I mean, you know, I sit there and just tell George I love him so much until he smiles and it's it's the best feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that sounds like like an, an incredible intervention. And, and, and I think that that's, um, that's kind of in line with some different ways that people can kick themselves 
into working in this way if they have no experience with it whatsoever, which would be like a mindfulness and a body scan. And it sounds mm-hmm. like what what you were doing was a really focused mindfulness exercise like with your partner. Yeah. Uh, mindfulness slash uh, emotional connection wow. exercise. Yeah. Wow. Other things that, that folks can do are um, dance and movement therapy mm-hmm. because movement and emotions are, are linked. And many times folks are able to express their emotions and thoughts through dance. Um, and this is great for folks who have a really hard time expressing in verbal ways. Yeah. Um, physical activity. You, you can talk more about this than I can, but it improves positive emotions. It improves mm-hmm. self-esteem, body image, cognitive functioning, your immune system, growth, flow, purpose, all of it. It's kind of like the holy grail. Um, and then yoga. Do you do yoga? Uh, I should. I, I um, it's, it's prescribed, but I just don't do it. I, you know, get lazy. Yeah. yeah. Same way. I mean, I I do a little bit. Um, There's an app that I use and I'll get into a flow every so often, but it's something that um, is part and parcel and very highly recommended to enhance your capacity for embodiment because yoga interventions really work towards confidence, mindfulness, self-compassion, enhanced sleep quality, um, and yoga decreases symptoms of anxiety, anger, and sometimes even depression. Yeah. I mean, yoga has changed so many lives. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, bringing this this all together, um, that there are, there's so much value in, in being able to, to tune into your body and positive psychology supports embodied interventions in a very real way. We've just scratched the surface here. So if you're a coach practitioner, if you're a positive psychology practitioner, and you're interested in working with people on how they experience not only their lives, but their bodies, um, their lives through their bodies, I would love to invite you to dig deeper into this research because it's such a cool field. Yeah, I love it. All right, folks. John, thank you for your vulnerability today. And we will talk to you next time. Yeah, thank you for listening. Be well. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a bold community to do it with. Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training, and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it.